So first of all, before we start, um, <coughs> there's a brother in the San Diego community who is kind of well known in Southern California, my brother Mustafa Nizam. He was the outreach director for CARE in LA, and his wife, Tazine, is the director of CARE in uh, San Diego. And he passed away on Friday night, unexpectedly, at Masjid al Ansar, actually, here in Orange County. Um, you know, they had prayed, and then I think he was going to do a presentation or something. And uh, he had a heart attack. It's the information I have. Uh, and you know, he passed away, subhanAllah. And his burial is tomorrow. So, as-salamu Just come in wherever you like. Um, there's all this nice real estate right here. It's a war. So I should come closer so I can find it. Where's Ahsan, but... Um, so, you know, in May Allah have mercy on him, may Allah elevate him, make things easy for him and his family. Mashallah, uh, he's well, <coughs> well known and very well respected, especially in San Diego, he was well known, you know. And uh, kind of like, it's very sad. Uh, not very old either, you know, relatively young. And I understand there's someone in our community who may have had a similar situation. We ask Allah to give him. Uh, Full health and complete healing, inshallah, and long life. And that's what I have mercy on our brother Mustafa. If you're in San Diego, the Janazah is tomorrow at 2 o'clock, Greenwood. So, uh, so please make dua for him and for his family, inshallah. So, Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa rahmatullah wa alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So, we're continuing in the uh, wise sayings of Imam al-Junaid. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Junaid al-Baghdadi, Junaid al-Salik. So, as we mentioned last time, just very quickly as a review, Imam al-Junaid was, um, as we have Imams in the other disciplines, you know, we have Imams in Aqidah, we have Imams in Fiqh. In Aqidah, we have the three major Imams for Sunni Muslims are uh, Al-Hasan al-Ash'ari. And Abu Mansur al Maturidi and Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. And uh, in fiqh, we have in Sunni Islam again four major Imams Abu Hanifa, Malik, and Shafi'i, and Ahmed ibn Hanbal. <coughs> and then in, in Ihsan, so we always talk about the Hadith Jibril and how Hadith Jibril gives us the three part breakdown of Iman Islam and Ihsan, gives us the breakdown of there are matters of uh, belief. And there are matters of practice, and there are matters of spirituality. And so, the imams of belief and the imams of practice are the ones that we mentioned. <coughs> and usually they say that the imam in spirituality is Imam Junaid, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. So, Junaid is an important figure in that way. And we began last time to read some of these wise sayings that have been compiled from different sources. So, uh, we'll just continue from where we left off, inshallah. Uh, قال المصنف وقال الإمام رحمه الله تعالى أو على الأوزن المصنف أكشن في زواج قال الإمام قال الإمام رحمه الله تعالى ونفر الله ويانه بعلومه في الدارين أمين قال أبو القاسم علامة إعراض الله تعالى على العبد أن يشغله بما لا يعني 
<coughs> Abu Qasim, Imam Junaid is also called Abu Qasim. Abu Qasim. Abu Qasim said that the sign that Allah has turned away from his servant, from the servant, is that Allah busies them, He Allah busies them with that which does not concern them. Busies them with that does, which does not concern them. Uh, you know, with the Prophet said, from the excellence or the good of one's Islam is that they leave that which does not concern them. And really I think that a big part of growing spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, is learning how to figure out what it is that concerns us and what doesn't concern us. And what we need to spend our time on and what we don't need to spend our time on and what's worth focusing on and what's not worth focusing on. This is a huge issue. And what am I going to give my, time, my, my heart and my mind to? Right? So in the end, every, everything that we spend time on is a choice of what I'm giving my heart and my mind to. So there's a lot of ways I can spend that choice. And it's necessary that we remind ourselves that much of what surrounds us are not so hidden attempts to uh, occupy us. Right? So they always say, right, with social media, social media is free, right? So, you know, we get the device, it's free. So how are they making money? Right? They make money on your time, on your attention. That's how they make money. So when they learn more and more about you and they have more time and attention from you, then they have more and more things they can sell you or they can sell other people that space to sell to you, right? But in the end of the day, you're the product. <laughs> we're the product, like we're the thing that's being... It's our time and attention and energy that's being sold. So every moment that we spend scrolling through an endless scroll, you know, that's, that's an investment of time and attention. Every topic that we decide to give some thought to, everything that we decide to spend time on, everything that we um, decide to focus on, all of those are decisions as to how one is going to spend their time and their energy. And so he says a sign that Allah has turned away from someone is that they they become busy with things that don't matter. They really don't matter. Now, there's one way to listen to this and read this, which would be to like feel sad, you know. Oh, wait, I waste a lot of my time. That means Allah has turned away from me. Well, the good news is that if you want Allah to turn to you, you just turn to Him. It's very simple. And it's not like, oh, I'm done for and everything is bad. And, oh my God, I'm failed. Allah has turned away from me. My life is over, and my hereafter is over too, and it's all just, a, it's, a, it's a wrap, you know, it's not a wrap. Just turn to Allah and try to make things better, and inshallah. But the, the point here is to emphasize that that is a really important choice. The choice of how we're going to spend our time, and the choice of what we're going to focus on is a really important choice. And, uh, you know, may we make good choices in that regard. قال أبو القاسم احذر أن تكون ثناء منشورة منثورة منشورة وعيبا مستورة. So uh, he said, beware that you are praised, that your praise is spread, and your and your. Uh, I have to go back to the translation, but. Uh, I'll explain it after I translate it. And that your sins or your mistakes or your shortcomings are hidden. So basically what the idea here is that uh, this is not what we want to be. Right? Obviously we want that our good is, 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 like, is what people know about us. 
and we want the, the bad things that we do are hidden. We want that. But he's saying, that's not what you want to be. You understand what I'm saying? Like, there's a difference between that's the description of, like, you have mistakes, and we have mistakes, and they're not known to people. Alhamdulillah, that's good. You know? But I don't want to just be someone who, when, oh, when people, oh my God. Okay. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Let me grab the other one too so it doesn't. Can take from Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Thank you. Bismillah. We don't want to just be like <laughs> two cups. I feel like a king. Mashallah. Two cups. That's really amazing. Um, then, like, we're just somebody who people just praise us all the time and we don't even deserve it. And, and then we have all these mistakes and they're all hidden, you know. And then there's just like basically what we are is this uh, like f- phony thing, you know. And he's just saying, don't be like that. Like, That's not what you want to be. That's not what you want to be. Not in the sense that that thing is bad. Like maybe you do some good things and maybe you're known, you're no, be, you become known for good things, not because you're seeking it, but just because you do. And alhamdulillah, maybe you have some, we have some shortcomings and mistakes and Allah hides them. Alhamdulillah, that's, that's not the issue, right? The issue is that the, this is what the person becomes. Just become like, you know, a hit. Uh, basically, it seems like there's something that they're not, and in reality, they're just a mess. <laughs> that's what he's saying. Don't be like that. Alright? So, that's the short of it. سُمِلَ الْجُنَيْدِ مَتَى يُكُنُ الرَّجُلُ مَوْصُوفًا بِالْعَقْلِ فَقَالَ إِذَا كَانَ لِلْأُمُورِ مُمَيِّزًا وَلَهَا مُتَصَفِّحًا وَعَمَّا يُوْجِبُهُ عَلَيْهِ الْعَقْلُ بَاحِثًا يبحث يلتمس بذلك طلب الذي بذلك طلب الذي هو به أولى. يلتمس بذلك طلب الذي هو به أولى. ليعمل به ويؤثره على ما سواه. فإذا كان كذلك. فمن كان كذلك. فمن كان صفته ركوب الفضل في أي أتكلم جد. فإذا كان كذلك فمن كان صفته ركوب الفضل في كل أحواله بعد إحكام العمل بما قد فرض عليه فرض عليه ليس من صفة عقلاء إرفال النظر لما هو أحق وأولى ولا من صفتهم الرضا بالنقص والتقصير فمن كانت هذه صفته بعد إحكامه لما يجب عليه من عمله ترك التشاغل بما يزون وترك العمل بما يفنى وينقضي وذلك صفة كل ما حوت عليه الدنيا كذلك لا يرضى So Junaid was asked What is the description of a person who has aql? What is the description of a person who has aql? So what is the description of the person? They have like proper sound intellect. And uh, intellect is not just that you understand things, like in a very educational, book-oriented level. But the intellect is that one sees with their mind and they see with their heart. So they're able to understand things as they actually are. They're able to make proper decisions and sound choices and so on and so forth. So it says that, he said in response to that, if the person is able to distinguish and discern between things, and they're able to contemplate them, and they're able to think about them, um, and they're able to consider and search for 
that which sound intellect calls them to do. So basically, like his first things that he's saying is, person, how does a person become someone of intellect? Is that they actually are someone who can distinguish between things. They can look at something and be like, okay, this is good, and this is not good. And this is a behavior that's appropriate, and this is a behavior that's not appropriate. This is a way that I should carry myself, and this is a way that I shouldn't carry myself. And this is something that I should spend my time on, this is something that I shouldn't spend my time on, and so on. And they look at their issues, and he said, literally, which is like, if you want to be really literal about the translation, it's like they're turning pages. So it's like they're studying their, their situation, you know? They look at their situation, they look at this page, and they turn it over, and they look at it from that way. And they're trying to figure out, what's the angle on this? How do I understand this? How do I figure this thing out? And they're trying to consider what's most important. Okay? And by doing so, they're able to determine what is more important and what is less important. And they're able to, to prefer what is more important over what is less important. So again, they're able to make these decisions. Um, so, um, so he's saying basically like the person who um, is just like, they, they understand what it is that's in front of them. Okay? I should do things in this way, I shouldn't do them in that way. They're able to, they do, he says, So he's like, they figured out, okay, this is the thing that I'm supposed to do, and this is, this is what I'm going to do. But instead of doing that, they just do other things. You know, they know this is the thing I'm supposed to do, and they understand it, and they know this is what they're supposed to do, but then they do, they go and they do something else. He says, this is not from the uh, qualities of the people of Aqil. So again, so what you understand, what you realize here is that aql, this idea of aql, the intellect, is not just a matter of the mind, right? It's a, it's a more comprehensive understanding of what intelligence is. Intelligence is not just a matter of the mind, but it's a matter of the heart too. So now the person, not only do they understand what it is, what's more important and what's less important, and they figure out this is the thing that I'm supposed to do, then on top of that they're actually able to do it, right? It's another step. Probably we notice that sometimes this is a hard part too. Right? Like I know I'm supposed to do this, and I know I shouldn't do something else, but now I have to actually do it. And that's where sometimes we get uh, tripped up. And also these people of intellect, they're not satisfied with um, falling short. You know? Uh, they don't just, it's not okay with them. Like I'm just going to do less, I'm just going to fall short. I'm not going to, you know, fully live up to my potential. I'm not going to do the things that I'm able to do. And they're not okay with that. Um, and if they, if they are, then basically like they're, they're, they shouldn't be such that um, they busy themselves with that which goes away. And that they do actions, their actions are connected to things that are finite and they end. Right? So what is he trying to say? And they understand what is more important and what is less important. And then they spend their time on that which remains. That which remains is what? That which remains is what's connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as long as that intention, as long as we have the, I kind of think about like, um, you know, like when you anchor something or when you take a stake and you put it in the ground and there's a line attached to it, you have this line, right? I want to like put a stake in the hereafter. Everything that I'm doing, I want to take one of these stakes and put it in the hereafter. So I'm going to sit with people. Part of the intention of me sitting with these people is I put this stake in the hereafter and now the line is going all the way to this little gathering that I'm having. And alhamdulillah, this gathering now is attached to the hereafter. So I'm not just doing things and they just go away. Right? But they're always going to be attached. 
I'm going to come to a gathering. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be good to my parents. I'm going to pick up the toys off the floor. It's, of course, not a relevant example at all. And um, I'm going to clean up the room, pick up something the kids spilled, you know, something like that. But all of these things are like, they tether us. Oh, that's the word. You put the stake in, it tethers you to the hereafter, right? So the person who has intellect, person who has intellect, they will tether all of their actions to the hereafter. They're not satisfied with like all they're going to do are things that disappear. Well, it's like, okay, I'm just going to get a job and then I'm going to get money and then I'm going to use that money to buy food and then I'm going to buy food and then it's going to go away. Right? <laughs> Isn't that what happens when we eat food? Right? Eventually it goes away. So it's like I'm going to spend all my time and all of my efforts so that I can just do these things and then they're just going to go away. No, I want it to be connected. It needs to be tethered to something else. I want it to be connected to something that's bigger. The person of intellect, they're not satisfied with that. That it's not connected. The rest of it is the same. All of it's قال الله تعالى الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسن أولئك الذين هداهم الله وأولئك أولو الألباب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said uh, praising people that they are the ones who listen to the best of speech and they follow it uh, they, they listen to the speech and they follow the best of it actually I'm be technical they listen to the speech and they follow the best of it those are the ones whom Allah has guided those are the ones who have true intellect those are the ones who have true intellect so Allah has described these people of reflection, these people of knowledge as people who have aqil, they have correct and sound intelligence. Understand it not as you don't get enough sleep such that you're hurting yourself, but that you're not uh, oversleeping. You know, not like you're sleeping, just sleeping your whole day away, and then you go, you wake up late, and then you sleep again, and all this kind of stuff. So this this will be decreasing your sleep, and that you pray in the night and stuff like that. 
and you make sure you pray Fajr on time and everything else would all fall into decreasing your sleep. Decreasing your food is pretty clear, you know, like we probably just eat too much, so Allah forgive us. And we definitely should probably also decrease our concern about food. Um, and then the third thing that they decrease their speech. So, you know, the, the person really takes time for this. Um, and this is something that's challenging. If you haven't tried it, you don't realize how challenging it is. But if you've tried it, you know how difficult it is actually to watch your speech. Say like, I'm really going to try to watch out everything that I say. And I'm going to say, if, I'm not, if I don't have a reason to say this, I'm not going to say it. And if there's not benefit in what I'm saying, I'm not going to say it. And you realize that when you start trying to do it, you realize how hard it is. And you realize how sometimes the, pe- the, the things that people say to you, they kind of put you in a tough position. You know? So they come to you and they say something or other, and there's not really anything you can say in response to it that is acceptable. So alhamdulillah, they help you to say less, but at the same time, it's a little bit awkward because you just kind of stare at them. There's not much you can say about it. Um, you know. <laughs> the third, the last one is that you decrease dealing with people. You decrease dealing with people. And I think this one it needs some thought because at the same time, the Prophet وسلم, he says, that the believer who mixes with the people and has patience over them is better than the one who doesn't mix with the people and doesn't have patience over them. And it's clear from the sunnah of the Prophet that he was always dealing with the people. So, and, and even when we look at the lives of these people, it's not that they were like disappeared from life and didn't engage with anyone. You know, so then it raises the question of how should we understand this and how should we think about it, right? Um, so I think that's a that's a good question. Uh, there's, it's clear I think that some interaction with other people is necessary for human life, for our own well-being, for human life, for building institutions and building civilization and so on and so forth, right? Um, so the way that I would think about this is that what should we do? We should always ask ourselves, is this necessary? And why am I doing it? And by doing that, we can kind of figure out a lot of it. You know, uh, Some people don't really spend time around other people unless there's a reason for it. You know? And by the way, your reason doesn't have to be like really strict. You know, you can just be hanging out with people for an hour or two, not really doing anything in particular. But your intention is to be together and to be with believers and to support one another and to make other people happy and to spread good and so on. Those are all intentions a person can have, right? So there's, so the point is that I want to spend time with people, but I want to also have an intention for why I'm doing it. And to be very particular, like, okay, now it's moving outside of an intention that I have. So maybe I need to change the intention. Or maybe I need to just kind of get out of the situation, you know. So it might be that uh, your intention changes. Maybe you're going to spend time with someone, you want to benefit from them, realize that you're not going to benefit from them on that day. Maybe they're having a bad day or something, right? But now your intention can change. You can try to support them, you can do other things, right? So um, I think that the idea is just have a good intention about it. And also, we, we need to have, also we can think about, is that... Uh, being alone is okay. 
right? Being alone is okay. And this whole issue of being with the people and everything else is, it's all right and it works as long as we can manage to be okay being alone. And if we're not okay being alone, then we need to deal with that. Uh, everyone should actually be okay being alone. Like I, can, I can just be alone and I can make some dhikr and I can just stare at the trees and it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And I can just have nothing. And that will be good for us, inshallah. But at the same time, we have other times when we're with people, yes. Uh, how does this kind of relate to Ibn Abdullah Hikamani, like your desire for isolation? Um, what was it again? The beginning one? Yeah, the second one. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, how does this connect to Ibn Abdullah's second hikmah? Um, but see, the second hikmah, the part of the challenge of the, the question is that it comes up as a result of the translation problem. So the second hikmah of Ibn Abdullah it says, um, إرادتك التجديد مع إقامة الله إياك في الأسباب شهوة خفية وإرادتك الأسباب مع إقامة الله إياك في التجديد انحطاط على الهمة العالية. So he says Ibn Taala makes uh, this uh, comparison between two different states. So one of them is the state of tajdid and one of them is the state of asbab. So the state of tajdid or the the circumstance of tajrid is basically when a person has been alleviated from all worldly uh, concerns. Okay, so they maybe the person um, I don't know maybe they inherited a bunch of money or maybe they don't have to work or whatever else it might be. They don't have now these worldly concerns that a normal person would have to be busy with. So they've been given tajrid. It's literally they've been stripped in a sense, like they've been their their responsibilities have been taken away from them. And the other side of it is that they have asbab. And asbab is when the person is busy with normal life stuff. Okay? So what he's saying is that if you're busy with normal life stuff and your mind is only worried about being out of that situation, then that's actually a subtle desire that you have in yourself. It's like a bad desire. Because Allah has put you in a particular place, you need to just do that. And, if Allah, and what he's trying to get at is if Allah wants to move you somewhere else, He'll move you somewhere else. Focus on where you're at. And don't worry about going somewhere else. And just focus. And he says, but if Allah has put you in a situation where you're free from all of those things, and you want to be busy with worldly stuff, then that's a, uh, that's a dissension from, from high aspirations. Meaning like, you know, you were in a place where you could just worship, and you could, you know, learn and worship and do everything else, and now you want to be busy with life. That's, you know, not really what you should be doing searching for. So it's not really isolation actually. It's just the translation kind of gives it that feel. But there's other ones from him that might be kind of like this. Tajreed with Ra or Tajdeed with Ra? Tajreed with Ra. Yeah. Tajreed, yeah. 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 Okay. Actually, I feel like we went off on a side thing and half you guys checked out. <laughs> well, that's okay. I check out sometimes too. Alright. So, Aqil man ikhtar fi al wahdi. The Aqil is the one who the Aqil is the one who chooses to be by himself. So, anyways, the point is here <coughs> to be careful in our interactions with people and what our intention behind them is. 
and to be okay with being alone if we need to be alone. And if we have a chance to be alone, to just be alone. It's okay. No? Now, if I have a reason I need to deal with something, you deal with it, we handle it. Um, and we have many reasons why we could do that, right? Our families, our friends, our relatives, our communities, our siblings, our loved ones, everything else. There's many reasons why we might need to interact with people, and if we do, then we follow the pro- appropriate adab and try to do as best as we can. It's, it's really interesting because when you read these books and stuff, you realize that like, what these people really wanted to do was just worship Allah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, the, that's the ultimate priority in their life. They're like, I wish I didn't have anything else to do. I would just pray. And I would make dhikr and I would read Quran and like, that would, I would be happy. Alhamdulillah. You know? And I think that sometimes we're like, uh, our culture is so much like, you have to get busy with something that you realize like, no, actually, if I'm not busy with something, then alhamdulillah, I can just worship Allah and I'm okay. I don't need to like find something to get busy with. I should drink some of this before I make a bigger mess. talking about at that time that it's a time of tribulation and clearly we're living in a time of tribulation so sure you can deal with people and have manners and adab and everything else but there's also other narrations that talk about in times of tribulation you should stick to your home and other ones that talk about how you should just cling to the trunk of the tree there's other ones that talk about how there will be times of tribulation when the best thing a person can do is take some sheep or goats and f- go to the mountaintop and just like hang out there. You know? <laughs> so, uh, are we in those times and how does, does that necessitate a certain response from us and so on? so that they can do what they need to do. 
And I think that that's part of the challenge at this point, you know? Uh, you know, I think oftentimes of like when you plant a plant, whether that's like a small plant or even a tree, you know, and you put the seed in the ground, and in order to put the seed in the ground, like the ground has to be prepared, the seed has to go in, the season has to be right, you know, it has to be watered, it has to have a certain amount of sunlight, it's going to grow a little bit. When it grows a little bit, it's still very vulnerable. And it might remain vulnerable for a very long amount of time. Eventually it might get a little bit taller, but now it's getting taller, but it doesn't have anything to support it, so you have to put something there to support it. And then once you support it, it starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually, like, the trunk kind of, like, thickens up, right? And less than the trunk, actually, more importantly, probably, is that the roots really start to become strong. And when the roots become strong and the trunk starts to thicken up, then, you know, the tree can kind of do what it needs to do. And I think that there's, there are things to learn in that. I think that especially when it comes to our children, sometimes we, uh, what we expect from them is far greater than what's reasonable. Um, you know, the Prophet them told us that we don't sit at a table where alcohol is served for a reason. And that's an adult. You know, an adult who doesn't sit at a table where there's alcohol being served. Why? Because if you're sitting at the table where alcohol is being served, you know, you're lessening your chances, let's say, of not drinking alcohol. And, uh, like, we don't go to places where a lot of corruption happens for a reason. Like, someone, can't, someone shouldn't say, oh, well, I'm just really righteous, and, mashallah, I'm really good, and I can control myself. So I'm just going to go to the club every Friday night and like hang out at the bar and I'm going to make da'wah. I mean, there might be some people who can do that. There, you know, truly, there, there have been in the course of history a handful of people who can do that. Like, there are stories of great awliya and mashayikh who would literally go to like brothels and make da'wah to the women in the brothels and then give them jobs afterwards so they can get out of it. You know, find them work and find them support. That's a whole, that, but you're, you know, we're probably not those people. So, you know, maybe if the tree is that strong, and the roots are that strong, and the trunk is that strong, it's fine. But sometimes I think that we, we're expecting too much. And um, the system that we're in doesn't necessarily help us. You know? Like I've said it many times, and I've said it already today, this thing is specifically designed to take advantage of you. And we know from our own lives, for adults in the room, you already know that as you get older, you start to be able to have more self-control, right? Like you get to a point where you have, you know you need to have some self-control, and as you get a little bit older, you have more and more self-control. When you're 12, you don't have the same self-control as you have when you're 15. You don't have the same when you're 18 or when you're 20 or 25 or 30 or 40 for that matter. You have a lot different self-control at different ages, right? This thing is meant to take advantage of you. So if you give this cocaine to a 10 year old, it's going to take advantage of them. And then the mind changes. The kids, they don't want to hear it because everyone has it. And like, you oh, know, I'm not cool anymore because I don't have a $500 phone in my pocket everywhere that I go, which is insane when you think about it. But, uh, you know, like, then people don't like it because I'm not going to be cool. Well, you're going to have a brain and inshallah you'll still have a heart. And one day you'll be okay, inshallah. But are they going to stay with us? I don't know. Like, I don't know how to deal with it, you know? Um, it's really difficult, may Allah help us, right? But the thing is, like, so you have a tree now, and the, tr the trunk of the tree is not well developed, and there's no roots in the first place. 
And then you're just like, I'm going to expose it to like all of these winds and all of these rains and all of these forces and everything else. Of course the tree is going to be uprooted. So does the tree, so should we be in isolation? So that maybe at least we can get like a little bit of a foundation? My honest opinion, truly, as much as it is like completely in disconnect with everything that we live in, is that I believe yes. Like I, you know, if I could figure out how to do it and manage all of my responsibilities, I'd probably just leave everything and come back in like 20 years. <laughs> because I've seen people who are like that and they're really amazing. You know, I, I met one time a sheikh from Mauritania. He's actually like a political analyst. I think he has a PhD in politics and like everything else, you know. Memorize Sahih Bukhari, memorize Sahih Muslim, memorize Quran, of course, you know. Very reasonable person, very understands the world. He has no issue understanding the world. So we have a very strange thing, like they're not gonna be able to understand the world. He has no issue understanding the world. He's a political analyst by, by like, his education, his training, everything. He was like, when we were growing up, we were in a camp. And he said, when we were growing up in Mauritania, he's like, you guys, you go to amusement parks and stuff like that. This was 20 years ago almost now, maybe 18 years ago. He's like, you guys go to amusement parks and stuff like that. He's like, we used to sit around the campfire and exchange tafsir. That was our world. We didn't have anything. We were just sitting in the middle of the desert. And we have the books of tafsir that we memorize, and we have the books of hadith that we memorize, and we have the Quran that we memorize, and we have the books of fiqh, and that's our world. You know, it's very disconnected from the reality, obviously, that we're in. You know, so it's like, so it's probably an extreme response that's not able to help people, <laughs> but m most people. But like, I I think that we need to think kind of seriously about this stuff. Like, how can how can I give myself enough room to action, and, and especially for our children. How can I give myself and my children enough room so that they can reach a point where they can actually stand up and be strong and do what they need to do and everything else? You know? And for people, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, this is just the technology of this age and there was technology of other ages and like the people saying the same thing now that they said when TVs came out and stuff. Qiyas man fed. It's not the same. It's not the same. It has, it's not even remotely the same. It has, and, and, only people who are older can understand. It's not even remotely the same. You know, when we grew up, is that if there was a show that you liked, you had to get the TV guide. Or if you didn't have enough money that the TV guy came to your house, you had to go with your parents to the grocery store before groceries were delivered. You go with your parents to the grocery store, and you, while you take their permission, you go to the aisle where they sell the TV guide, and you open the TV guide, and you try to get it in, and quick enough that you can like, before your parents get mad at you, and you're like, which day is it, which channel, and you like, find the channel, and you find the show, and you find the time, it's gonna be on this channel at 6 p.m. on Tuesday night. And if you don't get that show at 6 p.m. on Tuesday night, you didn't get that show. You know, you're out for the week, and you're gonna go to school, and everyone will have seen it, and you feel like a dummy, and like, you know, <laughs> has its own thing, right? It's not like you just sit down, and you're like, hmm, what am I going to binge watch for 12 hours right now from 7 p.m. until 7 a.m.? It, it wasn't, that's a very different reality. You know, I was telling people even on terms of like relationships and stuff. You know, I wasn't, I didn't grow up as a Muslim, but my wife, we always talk about when she was in high school, in high school MSA, if she was working with a brother in MSA and the brother needed something, they have to call her house. And when you call her house, her dad is going to answer and you have to say, Assalamu alaikum, Mr. So and so, you know, I'm calling because we have an. You better explain why you're calling. Right? <laughs> I'm calling because we have this thing that we're working on, and would it be okay if I talk to, you know, 
you're done, then Houston's have to say, like, he's going to decide. <laughs> Still, you know, if he wasn't prepped in advance, he might just say no and hang up the phone, right? So he's probably going to have to get prepped. Like, they might call because we have work or whatever. This is a whole different reality. So you're going to tell me, like, learning how to control your interactions and your relationships between two genders when you're, like, 15, 16 years old is the same in that context as in when every single time you, open, you pick up TikTok, they show you people with no clothes on? On an endless like slide, I can't believe this thing because everyone, people are telling me like, you know, you should get on TikTok because like young people are on it and stuff. I'm like, here's the video you posted. I kind of want to be involved in the thing, you know? Because I opened it once and I'm like, what in the hell? Like I would have done that, you know? Like I open it and I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, that's. And then the next one's the same. So I'm like, this is. How do I have anything to do with this thing? You're gonna tell me that's the same? Like, you're growing up, you're trying to control your desires, you're trying to be, act in an appropriate way, you're trying to follow something in your religion, and that's what you're exposed to, versus, like, you don't have anything, actually. Like, you have your TV in the living room, no one else is going to be seeing a TV. Like, you're in the living room, your parents are there, too. All right? And your one show comes on at a particular hour, you have to catch it. And it's totally different. Like, I'm talking about what does it do to the... Because all of the religion in the end is mukhalafat and nafs, right? Like, actual living of Islam, is mukhalafat al-nafs. It's like, how do I discipline my nafs, my base self, long enough to be able to do something that's more meaningful with my existence? That's what it all comes down to, right? So if I can, it's very, so do we need some isolation? <laughs> we need to do something. I'm still trying to figure out how I can get rid of my phone. But at the same, of course there's khair that comes from it and stuff. That's what the response is. There's so much care that comes from it. Of course there is. But it's designed for you to not do that. You have to accept this. You know, don't do it. No, it's this and it's not. You know? And technology has philosophy. You can read Technopoly by Neil Postman. It's a very interesting read. You know, get into these kind of things. Like it's not that once you introduce something, for example, there's a story that he tells in the book about writing. And someone comes and they present to the king this idea of writing. And the king was like, no, I don't want this. And they were like, why is this great invention we'll be able to write and like, we can record information and all of this stuff? He was like, no, because if we do that, then people aren't going to remember things anymore. And they're not going to do this, and they're not going to do this, and they're not going to do this. And he, so what he was recognizing is, when you introduce a certain technology, it has consequences. Period. Some of them are going to be good. You can't control it. It's going to get introduced either way, right? But once it's introduced, it changes things. So, you know, Allah help us. Even these things, like we're live streaming in class, right? Some of you probably remember. Do you guys remember what it was like 20 years ago? When you wanted to hear someone speak? That can show them. Like it was, it was a thing. If you wanted to hear someone speak, it was like you got the tape. You got like the Imam Siraj Wahaj video cassette tape out of someone's trunk because they were selling it at like ISOC. And you didn't live in Garden Grove. You were like, I'm going to go to ISOC because it's the biggest message that has the most people. I'm most likely to find some random guy that has a tape in his trunk and I'm going to get this tape of Imam Siraj, right? Or I heard that there's this guy called Suhaib Webb and like he's really interesting. Like you wait for the conference. It happens once a year. It comes to your area and you go to the conference so that you can hear this one lecture that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Right? And even the step on, on top of that was like, okay, now there's the internet. Someone might take this thing and put it on the internet. 
but it's just the file, you can't listen to it. You have to take the file and put it on a CD. Like I remember when I first became a Muslim, I had like four lectures, they were on repeat. Now, those are the four that I had. It was like Imam Suhaib talking about zina or something. <laughs> back when people used to talk about it. I used to talk about all kinds of things in our community. You know, Social media also changes what people talk about. You know? like it's very interesting to think about these things. We had another one like on some youth lecture on amusing ourselves to death. So it's actually a Neil Postman book. Uh, I think so, yeah. And then there was some, I had like four of them. So what, I listened to four lectures. But I knew those lectures, how they run. They like really became part of me. And um, now it's like, you know, am I going to go to the class? No, I don't need to go to the class and just catch it all online. You have it all online. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of lectures online. So then what happens to local community also is local community changes. Like what does local community mean now when you don't have to listen to your imam anymore? If for better or for worse, maybe there's some good in that. Maybe it becomes more like the imam has to actually be something in the lives of the people, not just a lecturer. Right? Because you're going to get your lecture somewhere else. So all of the dynamics of everything changes, is my point. And uh, you know, may Allah protect us and help us. God, that was a big tangent. قال أبو الخاسم الإخلاص سر بين الله والعبد لا يعلمه ملك فيكتبه ولا شيطان فيفسده ولا هوى فيميله oh, What a beautiful statement Subhanallah He said Ikhlas sincerity is a secret between Allah and the servant Sincerity is a secret between Allah and the servant Even this idea the idea of secrets you know, like it used to be that you didn't talk about everything. I was like, what is it? You turn and you open this stuff and like nothing's secret. Everything is, everything is all public, you know. And he says, Ikhlas is a secret between Allah and the servant. It's not known by an angel so that they write it. It's not known by shaitan so that he corrupts it. And it's not known by one's desires such that they lead it away because it's something purely in the heart it's purely in the heart between the servants and Allah it's very beautiful actually I was watching this interview recently with Shaykh al-Masarawi like I mentioned last week but not this point Shaykh al-Masarawi said he hasn't looked in the Mus'haf for 50 years <laughs> you do your review every, every day like yeah, I finish the khatam every 10 days Different riwayah every 10 days, and uh, I haven't looked in the Muslim for 50 years. But they showed him a picture of Sheikh Al-Manshawi. They showed him in the interview, they started showing pictures of different people. They showed him a picture of Sheikh Al-Manshawi. He said, How the Rajul Bainu wa Bainu Rabbi He's like, I don't know what it is. This man had a secret between him and Allah. And he said, Anytime you see that someone has something as amazing as, amazing as what he had, and it was so. He was such a beautiful reciter and his recitation had an effect on people and so on and so forth. No, he's on anything, anytime you see something like that, know that that person has a secret between them and Allah. Yeah. So he says, ikhlas, the sincerity, is a secret between Allah and the servant. The angels don't know it, shaitan doesn't know it, and even the nafs doesn't know it until it's exposed a little bit that the nafs can start to mess with it, right? But the, it's a secret, it's purely secret, the ikhlas. 
They say even some people said that there's a, that, that the du'a of the heart is a very special du'a. You know, if you make du'a with your tongue, then you've said it, so the angels write it, and you know, angels know it too, which is nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, you make du'a like that. Prophet and they made du'a like that. He said, but you can make du'a in your heart, and nobody knows it except Allah. It's a pure secret between you and Allah. No angels know it, your nafs doesn't know it, shaitan doesn't know it, nobody knows it, it's just pure between you and Allah. It's amazing, try it. <laughs> you know? Just sit in your heart right now and make du'a for something. It's between you and Allah, nobody knows. Not even the angels know. So anything more like beautiful than that, subhanAllah. And shaitan can't mess it up either. <clears throat> this is why there's a hadith, I mean I don't know if it's a hadith, it's probably Muldur. If it's not Muldur, it's very weak. It's a very weak narration, but many of the Arabs will know it as soon as I say it because it's very commonly attributed to the Prophet and it's very commonly quoted because there's truth in it. And it is uh, the help yourself in taking care of your needs by concealing them. So like if you have a plan to do something, you don't have to tell everyone. And you know, keep things, keep things between you and Allah as long as you can keep them between you and Allah. If it needs to come out at some point, it needs to come out. But if you can keep it between you and Allah, just keep it between you and Allah, and that will be it. Because then there's less nafs involved, there's less shaitan involved, there's less all these in, interventions that can happen, negative interventions that can happen. They're all prevented. If the person's able to do that. Next one, he said, uh, So he says the, the true reality of Sidq Sidq is like honesty, right? To be honest Not just to be sincere, but to be honest And to be true He said true honesty is to be honest in situations where the only thing that can save you is lying. <laughs> that's, that's some heavy stuff, you know. And he said, true honesty is to be honest in situations where the only thing that can save you is lying. Uh, obviously, don't think of the, you know, there's like, there's some exceptions. There's times when we can be, when we can lie, right? We can lie when like, you know, our life is in danger or like, we want to make our spouse happy and we don't like their food or something like that. <laughs> you can lie. Actually, the Prophet specifically said that. And by the way, uh, you should lie. Guys, guys and girls alike, uh, especially if you're newly married, you, you should lie about food. Both sides. If, if, if you want the person to continue cooking, you lie about the food. If you want to worry about your own food for the rest of your life, then say whatever you want. You know, be radically honest. Let me be radically honest with you. I want to, you know, like, what is this craziness? Be radically sunnah. <laughs> radical all the time. The way you go home and like tell your spouse, I just want to be radically honest with you because I want to have a fully open relationship with you. I don't like you. <laughs> what is this craziness, man? 
I just want to be truthful. I have to be my true self. I have to be. I can't betray myself. I have to be my true self. No, I've said my true self. Stuff is fitna. It's all fitna. It's all. It's all just insanity, and it's all fitna. It's like you know, it's a deception. Allah help us to see things as they truly are. So he said, it's only you know. You say nothing can save you in that moment. You know, you messed up. I don't know. Maybe you messed up. You you go to school. I'm teaching in school again. So like everything that I'm thinking about is in school. You know, like sometimes someone does something in school. You ask them, did you do this? And you you know they're lying to you. <laughs> they're like, no, it wasn't me. Like, All right, but that's what you said. I don't have any evidence, so it's okay. But like you and I both know, <laughs> you know what the situation is. But sometimes, like you know, you have to be. Nothing can help me here. I was wrong, and. It would be great, you know, if you, there's nothing you can't, you just have to, that's, that's honesty. You know, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. It's also it's very common in work, right? It's very common in work that people are supposed to do certain things and they just don't do them. And maybe they fall short, maybe they, something came up, whatever it is, you know. Nothing can save you from that except, you know, in the end, if you want to be an honest person, you just say, uh, yeah, I know I was supposed to do that and I just didn't do it, it's my fault. Alhamdulillah, that's good. And we have to be very careful. That one of the things that happens is when we start, you know, subhanAllah, how the Prophet said that the Sidq, having this honesty, that having this honesty leads towards righteousness, and righteousness leads towards paradise. So when Kedib, what is it? Right? Yeah. That this lying it leads to corruption and this corruption it's going to lead to the fire. Right? So what happens actually is that we start lying externally. What's even more dangerous than that is that we start lying to ourselves. So we stop being honest with ourselves. You know? Like sometimes people was, they won't be honest and say, Yeah, actually I messed up, I shouldn't have and then eventually they start to actually think that they didn't mess up. Like, no, actually, I didn't make a mistake. I'm just not supposed to do work when I agree to it. Like, wait a second. If I, had, if I made a commitment, I don't have to actually follow through on it because, like, you know, I just didn't mean to. Okay, but you didn't do what you were supposed to do, right? So, you know, Allah help us. Is it Madrid time? This is good. It's a munajah. We'll stop on this. He said, Ya dhaki, ya dhaki, ya bima bihi dhakaru. Wa ya badi al-arifin bima bihi arafu. Wa ya muwafiq al-amilin bi salihi ma amilu. Man dha alladhi yashfa'u indaka illa bi idnik. Wa man dha alladhi yadhkuruka illa bi fadlik. He's talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, O oh, you who reminds the ones who remember such that they remember. Right? O oh, you who reminds the ones that you, Allah is the one who reminds us to make dhikr of him such that we make dhikr of him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, And O oh, you who makes known to those who know you that by which they know you. 
And O you who gives this tawfiq, this providence, to the ones who do good deeds such that they can do them, who is it that has any ability to intercede with you except by your will? And who is it that remembers you except by your bounty and your blessing? SubhanAllah wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us feel those who remember him. We ask Allah to forgive us and to help us and to guide us, to give us good in this life and the next, and to be with us in all of our affairs. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi wa ta'ala.